Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 456, and today we'll be talking about Golden Eyes from Bee and Puppy Cat. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So I was very disappointed to find out that this episode was not, in fact, originally released on the Nintendo 64, but I guess it does make it much easier to get your hands on nowadays, so that's a plus. <laughs> um, I appreciate the, the shout-out to the N64. Uh, <laughs> well, the title of this episode is one of the least memorable things about it, there is the moment where Wesley is looking for a golden eye fish and we don't know why. Uh, maybe he's also searching for some childhood nostalgia and he's confused it with uh, fish instead of instead of James Bond. But, well, the fish plot is very strange in this episode, so it's hard to even think about that joke. Wesley isn't even sure what to think. Um, there, there, there's a lot going on here. First of all, we learn that Wesley catches fish because he, he cares for them sometimes. I thought that had already been established, that he was uh, somewhat of a doctor of fish. Well, here he explicitly verbally states that he like was helping repair a tail. Previously, what doctoring did we see? I, I know that he just had a bunch of them in bowls in the bathroom. I, I got the impression that he needed them to recover. I, I don't know. When I watched this episode, this seemed, oh yeah, this is what Wesley does. Yeah, I, I don't know how he ended up in this role uh but he is technically the doctor of the family so sorry <laughs> sorry merlin <laughs> sorry merlin <laughs> but i don't know it what i love about being puppy cat is not that it is purposeless sometimes why why does merlin or not merlin why why does wesley encounter a fish lady who swallows a a, a, a crystal wish crystal become humanoid hang out with her only for her to become a fish again and then tell him that because she's somehow able to talk as a fish and not as a humanoid, that it was the worst date she'd ever been on. And Wesley was confused that he was on a date in the first place. Like, what is that? <laughs> what do you do with that? It's such a bee and puppy cat way to end the storyline, though, with uh, her being like, man, that was terrible. Although... <laughs> I will say this, I'm happy to have another canon ship. I do not think that Wesley x Golden Eyes has been sunk. I think they're just begging for an episode in season two where Wesley <laughs> gets a wish crystal, turns into a fish, and he lets, uh, he lets Golden Eyes try to impress him with how the fish go out on dates. Honestly, do you think that she knew, though, what the middle finger meant? Because she keeps, you know, mistakenly, quote unquote, doing that instead of giving him a thumbs up. Do you think that was an early indication of her feelings? Yeah, I, I think we're supposed to think it's an innocent mistake, but uh, in retrospect, I think she was expressing her displeasure with how boring Wesley was. <laughs> she, she didn't have facial expressions nailed, though, because she was smiling the whole episode. So definitely <laughs> mixed vibes. <laughs> and she got a piggyback ride. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that's classic. You really can't complain. Also, she did fetch the the kissing lure for him so that is why i do not think the ship is sunk i think she still likes him she's uh willing to give him another try but he doesn't get to do the date <laughs> next time i i think well that's true he did keep her locked in a bathroom for a while which even b comments on and says if i had a friend from out of town i wouldn't leave them locked in a bathroom all day so I, she might have been kind of teasing the whole time you know teasing him with the middle finger maybe a little more than teasing slash correcting him a bit at the end so I agree. I don't think the ship, the ship is not sunk. Uh, his ship sunk in this episode. I don't 
actually even know how he recovered his boat after it got smashed by a giant mm. fish. But both of these ships survive, I think. Man, I was just, I was just watching that sequence, and then I saw the the big whale like one joining the the school following the light, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna end so poorly with you jumping them over your boat, man. <laughs> and then he's like, whoa, oh crap. That was a cute scene. See, that that is what being puppy cat does is it reminds us about the wish crystal. It doesn't really develop the wish crystal much, except to see it actually used, because I think. In the donut episode where they're introduced, we know that they're shipped off to people through some void by this donut maker, but we don't really see their effects at all, right? I don't think we do, no. So this this just develops that one point, like, hey, a wish crystal can at least be swallowed by someone, have an effect, and then leave their body and no longer have an effect. And it's like, that is a you know useful enough development, but that's all it needs to do. It, I think that's kind of like what we liked about shows like the early episodes of Steven Universe or even episodes of Adventure Time where they're just show, super relaxed. <laughs> it's show, not tell. And it's show just one thing in your slice of life, right? Otherwise, we just, we're just hanging out with Wesley on a boat or we're just watching <laughs> Puppy Cat try to poop. That's, that's the episode. <laughs> that... That was a twist I did not expect, the the result of his poop. Yeah, the lead-up is great. Um, poor puppy cat has to go to the bathroom real bad, and luckily, he's already discovered Toilet Planet. I like that technically both the A and B plot are connected, because the Toilet Planet is connected to the original yep. Donut Planet. So, <laughs> um, I think this is a first, though. I don't know why puppy cat had to poop a giant magic cleaning star that's not explained is that regular yeah she must have very clean bushes in front of her apartment (laughs) yeah i don't know if this is part of puppy cat's curse or if he ate something unusual maybe he just doesn't (laughs) metabolize birthday cake well i think he definitely should fall under the exclusions for uh the what class b part b of yeah, he toilet should be cleaning. permitted. <laughs> However that, yeah, toilet maintenance laws go. Although technically he wasn't scrubbing it, so he doesn't need the license anyway. <laughs> I love the dude. He's like, oh, well, thank you. This is the best my toilet planet has ever looked. But I am going to report you. <laughs> Jerk. And very much like in classic Adventure Time, the scene just ends immediately. And, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no resolution. It's just like, well, I guess they got space reported. The same way that the episode just abruptly ends after Wesley gets insulted and there's really no time even for a reaction. Yep. It's great. Puppy Cat was great there. It's either here or there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Threatening Tempbot. (laughs) Tempbot does not like being treated as a uh, inter-space highway to a toilet, but. Some ridiculous thing. I like how they're all happy to barge in on Howard. What if I was doing bathroom things? Howl. (laughs) <laughs> only only puppy cat could call it out for what it is pooping everyone else is much more polite yeah howl is hilarious and i'm glad he got his spa day even if he does look the same even if he doesn't look 29 and a half <sighs> it's tough howl i i do you like that that birthdays are just a thing in this show like this is the third surprise birthday party <laughs> seemingly 
I don't think bees was a surprise. I, I think she dropped way too many hints for that to be legitimately counted as a surprise. That's true. But it was a little surprising that Puppy Cat actually followed up. So you gotta give him that. Yeah, that I did not expect. That was that was a new character trait for Puppy Cat. <laughs> That's right, that he can care. I mean, I guess he got to show off with how good he was at hiding cakes. I mean, he impressed me. Seeing his, uh, like bowel problems though i could imagine why he might be so uh i don't know <laughs> have have negative personality traits sometimes you know he, he's focused on other things i don't think that's a real uh, excuse for his behaviors <laughs> to be clear do you do you think there was a reason for his like why do you know about this place and then like him insisting that she answer him yeah that was interesting i don't know like between the donut planet and the toilet planet it would seem the Donut Planet has a lot more interesting lore and significance in space since it, you know, generates wish crystals. Not really sure why Public Cow would be focusing on being knowing about Toilet Planet, so uh, I'd be interested to know his backstory. But hey, I mean, he literally poops giant cleaning stars, so maybe he has a deep connection to... Toilets? <laughs> I mean, uh, candy hunters are the lowest of the low in uh, galactic society. So maybe he tried to step up and become a class B toilet scrubber at some point. <laughs> mm, the backstory. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad Goldeneyes was uh, was willing to help Wesley get his lore back, though. <laughs> I mean, he just he can't catch the fish to heal them if he's just going to hurt them with a regular hook. Yeah. And I am glad that they explained that, by the way, because at the very beginning of the episode, I'm like, why is this guy catching fish with a hook if he just wants to heal them. Like, the, do you have any idea how much that's going to hurt the fish? And Wesley himself acknowledges this. I just can't catch them with an ordinary hook because it's counterproductive. Yeah, it, it's nice that he still tries, though. Like, you can see that balance he has. You know, he has the nice lure, but even when he doesn't, he still tries his best, you know, to help the fish, even though he has to use a pointy hook. But I, I'm glad he got it back. He really should have just bought another one, though. I don't know how rare the kissing lures are. I don't know if there's a lore to that, too. You know, he had to go off-island to get it or something. Yeah, Pretty Patrick could get him. Get him one. Ha! Pretty Patrick probably has the hookup. You know, it's funny just seeing, like, hooks. Because, I mean, obviously we've seen some violence in this show. But, you know, the island seems like such a, a peaceful place. A uh, place where nothing could really get hurt. So seeing, you know, even just those hooks, it's, uh, I don't know, it's an, it's unusual. Poor Wesley has to yeah. definitely straddle a line. That is, uh, that, that is a fairly high degree of violence for the island. Now, out there in space, we have these uh, crazy warlocks running around, causing a little bit more mayhem. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, none of that's been brought to the island just yet. Because they know Pretty Patrick will take care of business if they do. There, I, I love the little moments because, you know, they introduce the warlocks and now they're just gone and we know they'll come back. But the, the island development is just so chill. Obviously, you know, we developed this one feature about the crystal. We also have a scene where Wesley's just gently staring off, watching some butterflies fly around. And we kind of notice the central lighthouse slash weird spire. It zaps that bug. Yes. Yeah. And, you know. It, that's a weird thing. We don't really understand that at all. But, you know, it's just those little moments keep adding up. And I think those are fun 
to have instead of just, okay, we introduced something like the Warlocks, and now that's going to be there every episode, and, you know, we're going to end every episode by having these obnoxious guys show up. They're very careful and slow about it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> yes. There's Puppycat's ship. There's everything going on with B. There's the island itself. And then, of course, there's the warlocks, but they're just one part of an ecosystem of strangeness. And and Toast is still pregnant. <laughs> and every episode, she looks more pregnant. She looks particularly pregnant. Yeah, she's she's moving along. Yeah. And but she's still very willing to tackle <laughs> to tackle Cass, so whatever. Maybe maybe the baby gives her strength. She is fighting for two. <laughs> but yeah, just the the shots where Wesley's out there on the water. It's just so chill and experience. I just love watching it. And I don't know if there's a word for that, but I know this is a very common thing for people to enjoy. It's what uh what I think gives Bee and Puppycat such an appeal. But mm, it's just pretty, and it's just a feast for the eyes. Oh, it's aesthetic. I mean, I don't know if that's the word yeah. you're looking for. But because that's only part of it, but obviously the show focuses on just sitting in the visuals, sitting in little moments like just animating some butterflies flying around for no particular reason. And obviously the music contributes to that, too. And it's a, a little bit described by it's, it's kind of like a hangout, just hanging out with these characters. But it's not just a slice of life. It's almost like a, not quite like a diorama. Slice of strange life. Yeah, well, definitely strange. But it lets you sit in and take in the environment for a while, right? So it's not just character-driven, it's kind of environment-driven and vibe-driven. Which yeah. is y- unique, honestly. It-, it goes for, I mean, you can say Ghibli style. <laughs> yep, I definitely see the relationship there. Which is funny because... You know, unlike Ghibli films, it is weird as hell, <laughs> you know? So it to me, it brings in that... It, it, it's not... I mean, Twin Peaks is its own beast, but that, like, true strangeness, true weird lore, true weird storytelling, throwing weird moments in there or non-sequiturs, I, I think it is, it is definitely unique among cartoons because even though it comes from that Adventure Time legacy, the fact that it has such vibes is definitely different than really the other cartoons we yeah. talk about aesthetic vibe these are definitely words that <laughs> i i heard people use that uh, could describe <laughs> being puppy cat quite well yeah it's such a vibe yes <laughs> i like i like be offering by the way howl just the money because don't please don't make me go shopping it's <laughs> a pretty stick a, a pretty thick stack of cash too yeah uh, she's she's getting paid uh paid from her space adventures and i guess the space bucks are legal tender because she does have to keep the landlord away and speaking of cardabon i do have a question do you think he's the one responsible for Cass getting that wish crystal or uh, do, do we find out specifically where that one came from so later? that one puzzled me because Somehow, I thought that when I last saw this episode on my initial watch, that we had actually somehow seen that crystal come into her possession. But we haven't talked about that at all. So <laughs> that 
maybe we completely missed that moment. And I mean, the fa- the way that B says, I wonder how she got it. It seems like a question that the audience is supposed to be asking themselves too. So I, I don't know, but it felt familiar to me. Like, I don't remember having this question before, so maybe we'll see it get answered, or maybe we need to go and pay more attention to the previous episodes. But when uh, when B visits the Donut Planet, I don't recall any crystals coming with her at all, right? Like, we see some donuts go in the void. Yeah, it was only the donut she left a cardamom. That was the only, only wish crystals I saw her bring. Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. And he tries using it with his mom, right? It is possible that how many crystals were embedded in Deckard's head did he did some come out in the bathroom maybe? Mm, that's right because there's one in Deckard's head too. Yes. Hmm. It is a mystery. I did not recognize the wish crystal as such when uh, when B spotted it. It wasn't until we witnessed its magical properties. Uh, well, actually, Puppy Cat's the one who told me, but. Hey, what are you doing with a wish crystal? <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is kind of funny, or I, I don't know how to describe the experience. B almost plays dumb sometimes. <laughs> so whenever she's talking about something real and you know plot slash lore relevant, it's it's funny to me because uh, it, she's never quite clear on how aware she is of situations. So when she's talking about the wish crystal at one point, she just sounds so much more cognizant. <laughs> than she otherwise sometimes does. And that that's a, vi- a theme in this show too, right? Like in the same way that Wesley was sort of exploring how the crystal worked and, you know, actually looking at the reactions of the fish, whereas other people weren't really paying attention, right? Like Cass, who, you know, normally is the one noticing the weird stuff. She's just laughing at the fish. <laughs> and I love the scene, or I love the camera angle where we see inside the fishbowl, the fish staring at her and she's going, Fish are dumb, and we're seeing her face all distorted in the water against the the bowl. That was awesome. I thought for sure, as soon as she said how smart she was, that she (laughs) would uh, say, oh, here, see, I made you something to keep those fish from staring at you in the bathroom. Just put it where you're not, and they'll all look at it. But nope, nope, just uh, very assured of her human intellectual superiority, and that was that. Yeah, poor Cass really got knocked down a peg. Because <laughs> the only thing that happens in this episode is she doesn't have a gift prepared and she ties a wish crystal to a paper clip in the most crude figure possible. And then she laughs at fish. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely oh well. not her proudest hour. Also, um, she has to give up her energy drink to be a- attacked by toast, <laughs> which was very funny. He's just like, you know what? I'm taking this back because I see what's coming. <laughs> Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Golden Eyes. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.